Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, we have a really exciting show today. We've got a couple of really special guests. First of all, my business partner, Chris Hartland. Martha and I, along with Chris and Bob Hartland, own Trust Services. And Chris has got a heart and a passion for really helping people be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And we're going to bring her on just a little bit and talk about this new program that she got within her business called Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. And we've got Another very special guest. Some of you who are football fans will recognize this name, John Gilmore. As I understand, John, you played with the Bears, you played with the Buccaneers, and you ended with the Saints, correct? I did. Well, we're glad to have you you guys both here on I Work For Him today. John, I'm not a big football fan, and I explained to you off the air why not, because I grew up in Minnesota and it was just too much of a painful experience. And you played in that division, so you know what I mean. Well, I didn't take from the conversation that you weren't a fan. No, no, I'm not. I think you're awesome. Football, I had to, when the Vikings blew the NFC championship in Mm -hmm. 1998 when Anderson missed that field goal, I didn't kick my TV in, but I turned it off forever towards football. Because after 25 years of pain and suffering as a Vikings fan, I couldn't take it anymore. That was the problem. You were were a fan of the wrong team. I lived in Minnesota. (laughs) That's what people in Minnesota do. In the middle of winter, there's nothing else to do. So we don't need to talk about the Vikings anymore. People have heard that. (laughs) I I get stuck in that soapbox. I'm still going to counseling about it. John, I'm excited to have you here on the show, sharing your testimony, sharing how Christ is impacting your life, and sharing how you and Chris are also working on this healthy, wealthy, wise movement together. So start us off 
as the show is just, we've got just about two minutes before the break. How is Jesus making an impact on your life today? You know, we, we talked briefly about this the other day. Um, you know, I feel, and you said in the intro, um, each of us has a calling, you know, and I don't question the calling. I'm called to perform in different ways. Um, I'm a servant leader by nature. That's something that I've, I've come to realize over the past couple of years. I was actually at the Hall of Fame um, ceremony when Derek Brooks got inducted, and he did a speech about being a servant leader. And um, it really struck a chord with me because at that point in time in my life, I was spread very thin. I, I'm still spread a little thin. Um, but I, fi- I find myself in certain situations where, you know, it's not about me. Unselfishly, it's it's about the impact that I can make on others around me and um, the organizations, the businesses, individuals, whatever, whatever comes across my plate. So, you know, I've been blessed to be in a position where I played 10 years in the NFL. Obviously, people look at us as role models, um, heroes in a sense. Uh, so to be able to kind of leverage that celebrity and um, the opportunities that I've had to, to make, you know, make people's world a little bit better. Um, that's that's what I'm called to do. You know, it's exciting to hear you say that. Listen, I I understand people are looking for us to be role models, and not a lot of your, not all of the people that you played football with on that field played this or understood the same thing. I mean, a lot of them were role models, but they didn't take that that responsibility so seriously. So I'm excited to talk to you. When we come back, John, I really want to dig deep into how your faith played into your NFL career, your time at Penn State playing under Letourneau. I mean, come on, seriously. You had some pretty incredible opportunities. You know, Chris, you heard me put out the plea for the I Work For Him Nation a lot of years, uh, or a lot of months ago, almost a year ago. And you took it to heart. And when we became business partners, you said, you know what, let's every Monday morning get together and let's pray for our people. Amen. So what kind of an impact has that made on you in your workplace? You know, when you pray for somebody, it changes your heart. You see them through the eyes of Christ. And I think that's what we want to approach every relationship with, is how does God see this person, this soul? And instead of um, wanting to use them, you want to be used by him for them. Yeah, it's been a cool privilege. I don't like the fact we got to get up even earlier on a Monday because Mondays are tough enough. But I do want to put that challenge out out there. If you're a business owner and you've got a business partner, make this a priority. We love starting our week together. I don't like it at 7 o'clock in the morning, but we love starting our week together. Did I make that clear? I just want to make sure you heard me, Chris. Uh, if we could do it at 8, it'd be so much better. But I know work needs to get started. If you are a business leader, a business owner, pray for your coworkers and employees every day. It will make a huge impact on how you manage them, how you love them, and the Lord will speak to you things about them. John, as we look at your NFL career, taking it back, way back, before you went to to Penn State, how did you come to be a Christ follower? You shared off the air with me last week, or earlier this week when we met, about your upbringing. But talk about, how did you first find out about Christ? How did, I mean, you were raised in a pretty unique environment. Yeah, I mean, I... I come from a small town, Reading, Pennsylvania, a little blue-collar town in Pennsylvania. Um, huge family. My dad had 14 brothers and sisters. Oh, my goodness. So it was never a dull moment. And, um, you know, I, I grew up around a, a, a family of believers, you know. And my father, I was baptized Catholic. Um, that's my mother's side of the family. My dad is Lutheran. And, um, you know, I always grew up around, you know, that the faith, you know, it's something that my my dad especially instilled that in me, and you know, I was thinking about this actually on the ride over here. There was one 
I got baptized, I believe I was eight years old. Uh, I went to Catholic school up until 10th grade. And I remember when I was eight, year, eight years old, my brother was six at the time, uh, a little older. You know, you know, people normally look at b- baptism as a kid, but there was a huge, I'll never forget this, there was a huge to-do um, with us getting baptized in the Catholic Church because my parents weren't married within the church, and there was all these types of issues. And I remember being a young kid saying to myself, like, that never made sense to me. You know, it was just like, look, they're, they're trying to do the right things. You know, we're having an issue with it. My parents worked through it. Um, we ended up getting baptized. But, you know, I, that was a, I don't want to say a pivotal moment, but it was an impressionable one um, where to me it started becoming about, you know, the faith in God, you know, and not so much um, a checklist of items, you know, that you have to go through um, to meet certain beliefs, so sure. to say. So, you know, just having so that. So you took it from religion to a relationship is really what you talked about. A relationship in God, right? You know, seeking salvation through Him. Um, so, you know, that, again, I was very young when that went when that happened. But I would say through my sports career, um, when I got in the NFL, and I know you had mentioned earlier about the role model situation, and I'd have to agree with you. Um, the media likes to publicize that the things that we don't do right as athletes. Uh, that tends to get all the attention. But you'd be surprised at how many. Uh, legit role models there are within the game of football um but just meeting a lot of guys throughout my journey a 10-year journey a lot of christians um a lot of guys in different places in their journey uh that i was around at that time i'm I'm early in the process i'm a baby and you know there's there were certain guys that made a certain impact on me throughout the process and i'd have to say the nfl probably played a big part in that we're talking today with john gilmore he's a former tampa bay buccaneer john i apologize i think i wasn't I, I was living here when you were playing for the Bucks. I'm sorry. People told me tight end. Is that right? Tight end. Whew. Okay, good. I had it right. <laughs> I, I forgot to read. I, I read your bio three or four times, and I never paid attention to position because of my feelings about football. So yeah, I love, I loved watching football. And, and I watched the 2002 when the Buccaneers won the championship. I was thrilled to have at least be living in a place where somebody could win a Super Bowl because, <laughs> again, Minnesota, that's impossible. When you... <laughs> Sorry. See, I really need counseling about this. I really should. Martha, would you make me an appointment? I know you're listening. Talk to me about this. You grew up, you, you say it's a small town. I never thought of Reading, Pennsylvania being a small town. What's funny is people don't really know that Reading, Pennsylvania is, it, it's on the Monopoly the Monopoly board. Yep. But they think that's the Reading, Reading Railroad. Yep. It's That's how you spell Reading, Pennsylvania. And I learned that because there was a big insurance company based out of Reading, Pennsylvania when I was in early on in the insurance business. What was life like there? Everybody knew everybody. Um, you know, my dad, he owned a, his own little janitorial service for 28 years. My mom was a full-time nurse. And in the summertime, he used to drop us off at a family member's house in the city. And, you know, we would just run the streets. And, you know, we, you could walk into any barbershop and they knew your name. You could walk into the little corner stores and, you know, they, they'd have your sandwich ready, knowing what you like to eat, you know, for lunch. So it was a very personable town. It's unfortunately not the same way uh, today. You know, it's gone through a, a huge, um, I don't even know what to call it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, economically, we got hit hard. Uh, sure, just it, like it's a lot transformed of, a lot of those. It's, was that a coal town? Or was there coal around there? It, was a, it, it wasn't a coal town, but it was, a fa- it was you know, building blue-collar jobs, a lot of factories, the outlets. We were known for the shopping outlets. People would come from Philadelphia, New York, Pittsburgh, just to shop at these outlets. They no longer exist. A lot of the... The big corporations that used to exist in that city have shut down uh, or have moved, you know, overseas. So um, 
and it, you know, there, there's a, I don't want to call it an epidemic and not to get too deep into this, but there's a lot of people that come there from outside of the city. Um, you know, it's very easy to get assistance, um, you know, government assistance, you know, that type of deal. And, and it's just, it's creating a, it's a, it's a big issue, but long story short, um, Reading is going through. It's not the same city I grew up in. We have a nonprofit up there now. Uh, we're trying to do our best uh, to give back to the community and, and play a part. Is that where your foundation is? Our foundation is based there. Yeah, uh, Chad Henney, the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We started our foundation six years ago, and we revitalized parks and recreational facilities in the area. And we're up to eight parks now, uh, full renovation. We go in, we do landscaping, we build parks, and then. From that point on, uh, the ones in the inner city, we actually maintain a presence. We implement programming, summer programming, and we actually help with the maintenance of the park so that it's not such a burden for the city. So just trying to give these kids a clean, safe play to pl- uh, safe place to play and build relationships. So where did you get your love for football? I didn't really have a choice. It was a family thing, man. It was, <laughs> you know, in, in our family, you know, everybody played football. I, I started playing when I was five years old. I can remember my dad dropped me off at the – at the field, they were actually halfway into the season, and I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, man, I really don't want to do this. You know, it's, I don't know if something triggered in his head. Maybe I, I got him upset one day, and he just took me down the football field and said, get my son a uniform. But even at five, I was bigger than most of the six and seven years olds, and the coach's eyes kind of lit up. So I've been playing I've been playing football my whole life, and the game has instilled certain values in me. And, you know, it's just a, it's a family thing. But I've actually developed a love over time for football. It wasn't always the case. Well, it it's it takes a lot of dedication. I mean, football's hard. I mean, the training you guys go through is hard, and I don't. You know, there's a reason why they only play 16 games a year. I mean, you're pounding people. You're you're a small guy compared to some of these guys today. I mean, these guys are 100, 150 pounds heavier. You pounding those guys, it's a rough. I mean, it's like running into a cement wall all day long. Well, um, I like to say that I was a blue collar guy in the NFL. Um, you know, I, I I tell me what to do. I went out there and executed. But I was a blocking tight end, so my job was to block 300-pound defensive ends, and uh, it was a dirty job. And, you know, I was blessed to get 10 years out of it. I had a GM in Chicago that told me, he said, look, I don't care if you catch a football for us. When I, when I went up to Chicago, he sat me in his office. He said, I don't care if you catch a ball for us. As long as you block, you'll play 10 years in this league. And sure enough, when I was in New Orleans, we played Chicago, and he was on the sideline with Ed Werner, and he came up to me, and he was like, oh, Ed, me, John, this is one of my guys, you know, 10 years ago, I told him this, that, and the other, and he played 10 years, and he was right. And, you know, that that was a, a learning moment for me because I actually had an individual that spelled out exactly uh, what was expected of me. And a lot of guys in, this NF, in, the, in the NFL really don't get that opportunity. People really don't spell out to them what they're there for. Yeah, and that's nice. And he kind of spoke truth in you. And it's good for it was good for you to realize at the beginning of your career that there's going to be an end. You need to have a plan for the end because a lot of guys get done. They're like, all I've ever known is football. Since you were five years old, all you knew was football. That's that's tough. And when you get out, you see these guys really struggle. All right, we're talking today with John Gilmore and Chris Hartland. John Gilmore is a former NFL player. You're saying, Jim, you don't bring on many sports guys. I'm like, I don't know many sports guys. John Gilmore was introduced to me by my business partner, Chris Hartland. She's joining us today. The two of them have come together to form a little bit of an alliance, I guess you would call, promoting healthy living, wealthy living, wise living. You call it healthy, wealthy, wise, don't you, Chris? 
I do. Right after Benjamin Franklin's early to bed, early to rise. Early Makes to a gal or a guy healthy, wealthy, and wise. So what is when you look at this and you're looking for you you told me listen I, I got I got to have a conversation with John Gilmore and and he's really interested in what I'm doing John what attracted you when Chris shared her vision of what healthy wealthy wise is about what was it about that you're like oh I think I could I, I, let's partner let's do something about this what was the experience um, just I all I can do is talk about how I got introduced to healthy wealthy and wise and it was through a would you call it a networking event? It was a celebrity celebrate a healthy, wealthy, wise community. Yes, and it was a great event. Um, one, they did a great job pulling it all together. I was very impressed. We were at the Sundial at the Locale Market in St. Pete, and that was my first time there. And I just remember walking up on the event. Everybody was so engaging, uh, welcoming. Met a lot of great people. Uh, I really didn't know too much about the cause uh, or the mission. I just got invited to this event and. You know, I'm into marketing and branding. I saw the brand. I thought it was a clean-looking brand. And then I started doing a little bit of, you know, asking questions. I said, what's the whole healthy, wealthy, and wise? And when they started breaking it down, it just all started making sense to me. And I said, this this is ingenious. You know, it's one of those, why didn't I think of that? But um, I think Chris is in an interesting position in which she's able to uh, deliver a program like this. I mean, you just healthy, wealthy, wise. Let's talk about it. You know, wellness, health and wellness, uh, very important to our day-to-day living. Um Wealthy, you know, I think there's a misconception that wealthy just refers to um, finances. You know, it just so happens that Chris is a wealth manager, uh, but wealthy doesn't necessarily mean um, just you know monetary wealth. You know, we can be rich and not necessarily not necessarily wealthy. Um, and obviously, the wise, and that's just developing a closer relationship with Christ. Um, and the conversation Chris and I were having, I, I just think it's great that you have those first two that kind of slowly get people engaged and then to the ultimate goal of, um, you know, building a closer relationship with Christ and getting to know him. So I think it's a great concept. It's, it's still, still young. Um, you know, am I, am I, am I allowed to selfishly promote the website? Is Absolutely. It, <laughs> at peace-wealth.com, uh, peace-wealth.com. You can go there, check out the Healthy Wealthy Wise Movement, get engaged, like us on Facebook. It's a very cool cause. That's awesome. So Chris, when you set this up, the, the scriptures being at the is really at the core of what this is all about, isn't it? Well, I really desire to live out my life in accordance with um, biblical wisdom, but it's not always easy. And my confession here is the healthy part was the part that was really challenging for me. I was um, hundred pounds overweight, not living a very healthy life, and had a transformational experience. I would say, um, John, you're reflective of healthy living. Of the three of us, I'd say you're healthy. I'm the wealth manager, and and you've got the biblical side that you're really um, spot on, Jim. So together, we're healthy, wealthy, wise. But individually, I think we all have challenges to live, and we want to live healthy, wealthy, and wise, not not pick one. I didn't eat the cookies that they put out in the studio, though. I just want on the record, and because Martha's listening, I didn't eat the cookies. I didn't eat them. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I was expecting you to pick up one or two of those before we got started. Were you? I was. Yeah, honestly, you were? I, That's I, just sad. They were, just... She knew to put them here for a reason. I, I just figured that was kind of a, a routine, traditional type thing. Uh, no, it's actually, it's it's not, but uh, she, she was, you know, we, had, we don't very often have NFL football players in here. We know you guys are always eating, so... <laughs> So when you when you look at this approach, because really 
The, the Bible really has a lot to say about healthy living. The Bible has a lot to say about wealthy living. The Bible has more to say about money and possessions than any other topic. The Bible has a lot of wisdom that comes out in it. It's, it's fun, Chris, that you pulled all this together. John, how do you see this playing out in, uh, out in the marketplace? I mean, do you see people seeking to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? Well, I think that's what we're trying to figure out. Um, again, this being kind of a young brand, a young program, for lack of a better term, um, I think we're just trying to figure out where does this fit in? Uh, who who are our targets? How do we get in front of them 24-7 uh, so that they clearly understand? Probably the mission isn't clearly spelled out yet, but I think that's what's so great about it. It's all part of the process. I think it'll start to be revealed to us. People reveal themselves through the process, and I think eventually this thing is going to take on a life of its own. Um, but again, it's just in its infancy. It's, it's actually brought me to this show, um, brought me back to over to the office the other day to talk with you guys. So I'm actually seeing the impact that just something as small as this healthy, wealthy, wise movement uh, is having on me. And I can only I can only guess, strategize. I don't know how, what do you want to call it? Um, envision what it might look like five years from now. But my guess is it's going to be making an impact in other people's lives as well. Mm, that's what we can only that we can really hope that, Chris. When you when you present this to people, and, and you guys do a lot of really creative ways to bring this out to people, what is what's the common response that you see from people, or hear from people? So I think people are surprised to have their own personal cheerleader. I mean, in the NFL, and. In sports in general, there's cheerleaders. But in life, we don't have cheerleaders. We don't have encouragement the way the Bible causes us to spur one another on to good works. And that's what we're all about. We're all about trying to encourage people to do the right thing because there's so much temptation to do the wrong thing. I have to tell you, those cookies are a temptation for me. <laughs> and having you put them six feet away, you can't possibly reach them. <laughs> But the encouragement to get out there and be active, to be wise and and um, good stewards of our resources, of our monetary resources, it's not something that's easy. To live according to God's word, it's not easy. So to have a team of people who are saying, how can we help you, encourage you, what can we do? And so we've done things like I have, I'm in a running group. And we have God's word every mile, a different verse, every mile along the half marathon, 13 miles. We put God's word out there to spur them on and encourage them. And at the end, we have all kinds of things to help congratulate them, encourage them, and help them look at other areas of their life and ask, how can we help you with your dreams and your goals? And, you know, God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. So if God's called you to do something, the resources to do that are there. And our job as wealth advisors is to help you find that. At the end of the show, Chris, I also want to make sure we talk about your discipleship program, not discipleship, discipleship has to do with bicycling, discipleship program. Make sure we bring it up at the end. All right. So John, you had the privilege of playing under one of the most famous, one of a few super famous football uh, college football coaches. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I go back. Now, was Penn State part of the Big Ten by the, when you were in there, or was that after you got out? No, we were in the Big Ten. Okay. Which, now I never understood. The Big Ten's all Midwest, and then they throw in Penn State. I never understood that. <laughs> Not that it mattered, because the goofers were part of the Big Ten. Again, more counseling. 
But you had a privilege to play under Paterno. It's mm-hmm. Paterno, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Joe Paterno. Yeah, Joe Paterno. I had to look at my note. I don't know why. I mean, the guy was a he was a legend in his own mind. Mm-hmm. That was pretty interesting, I imagine. How did your faith protect you and provide for you in that football program? Man, Joe Pa. Um, as you can imagine, over the past couple of years, I've gotten a million questions about Penn State um, and the you know the impact that Joe Joe made in my life. But um, you know, my faith when I was at Penn State. You know, I don't. You know, I don't know if it was because I was a college student. Maybe I was wet behind the ears. I was a snot-nosed kid, not knowing any better. But you know, it wasn't. I wasn't so focused as I am now, and I was. My eyes weren't as open as they are now. Uh, Penn State, great university, uh, very prestigious university. That football program is probably, arguably, arguably one of the best in the country. Um, Joe, he's a he's a tough teacher, tough love. Um, you know, if I had to, I, the one quote I do you know, do a Joe all the time is if I tell you the truth, will you still be my friend? And that's not written in any book. That's something he would tell us over and over again. He would sit on his podium before he dress, address a team. He goes, guys, if I tell you the truth, will you still be my friend? You know, he'd get that high pitched voice. Um, but he was, you know, he was a great guy to play for. I learned a lot. You don't understand some of the lessons that, that he's instilling in you until you're raising two kids, you know, trying to run a business. Um, those lessons that Joe taught you then, that starts coming into play. Like, man, this guy knew what he was talking about. At the time, you're just like, man, I wish Joe would stop yelling at me. Um, <laughs> sure. But he was a yeller, man, and there was a lot of tough love going around. Did you have any mentors uh, on the football team? You know, as you came on as a freshman, and you didn't redshirt freshman. You actually played four four years at Penn State, or did you come in as a redshirt freshman? No, I redshirted. You did. Um, okay, so you had five, five years. years. Okay, yep. so when you got into the football program, did you ever? Did they assign you a mentor? Or did you? Did you? grab a mentor there that eventually helped mentor you when you got into the NFL? I mean, did you have any of those relationships that encouraged you in your faith at all? You know, it's, uh, there was a, a, a few different people, um, at Penn state, you know, that looked out for me. Um, but you'll find, I don't know if you had ever had a chance to go, they call it happy Valley, happy Valley. Um, but if you ever have a chance to go to happy Valley, it's in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, um, right smack dab in the middle of the state. And the only thing there is, is a school in a small town, but, I've never been anywhere around the country where people are so welcoming, um, so nice. It's they say it's it's called Happy Valley for for that reason. But um, the whole team, the whole organization, I can't pinpoint one specific mentor. I had people up there that really looked out for me um, uh, as really a, a surrogate mother and father type of deal, uh, John and Connie. But you know, other than I, I don't, I, I can't say that I had a mentor. Joe Joe's son, Jay Paterno. Uh, looked out for me a lot while I was there. I, I will say that much. Now, when you moved on to the NFL, uh, all of a sudden, I know there's, are, there's a lot of strong Christian personalities in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot a lot of great guys that stand out and are willing to put their faith out front. Did, what you you spent those first six years playing at Soldier Field, which I want to hear just about that. You know, Being a Minnesota guy, nothing worse. There is no colder place mm-hmm. in the United States of America than downtown Chicago in the middle of the winter. Yeah, uh, that's your spot on. I don't. Know, I don't know what I can add to that. You can't. So, how brutal was that? <laughs> it was. It was bad. Um, one of the coldest games I ever. I ever played in was against uh, the Falcons. Um, I remember Michael Vick was the big to do at the time, but I remember I always had to pull the my mouthpiece would get stuck to the side of my helmet and freeze, <laughs> and I would have to pull it out and suck on it to soften it up again. Uh, every time I would go in the game, and it was. It was just that cold. Water was freezing in the water bottles before we could even drink them. 
So, you know, you want to talk about cold. That Coming off that lake, Lake Michigan, that's a different type of cold. When you were there, were the, were, how did your faith come into play for you when you were there? I mean, how did it impact how you played and the people that you hung out with and the influence that you had? Well, you know, it's there were... I can't even count the amount of times that, you know, I, I, I got on my knees and prayed. You talk you talk about temptation. I mean, being in the NFL, the amount of temptation that we see on a regular basis as players, uh, the challenges and obstacles that we have to overcome. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, an easy road travel. Ten years in the league, you know, uh, me and my, my I have a strong wife, uh, a very committed wife. Um, you know, it, it wasn't always cookies and cream, but. You know, to be able to be around so many different guys from so many different backgrounds, small towns, big towns, big cities, um, all in different places, you know, when it came to their faith and their belief and their walk, you know, I had a chance to kind of, you know, I can't say that I played a huge influence on a lot of younger guys, but there was actually younger and older guys, you know, influencing me. Um, So, you know, getting down on the knee and praying after the game, praying before the game. Um, That's evident. You guys see that. But again, and I talked about the media earlier about all the negative things that the media likes to put out there. You know, there's a lot of positive role models and and figures in the NFL, really good people that I've met along the way that played a huge influence on me. And people weren't saying negative things about you, were they? um, And if they, if they were, I don't know about it. Read the papers. That's good. It's it's good not to read the press about yourself. (laughs) When did you meet, when did Rebecca, come into play in this. Rebecca's your wife. You've got two children. Mm -hmm. How long have you guys been married? We just had our 11th anniversary. Awesome. 11th anniversary. So she married you when you were already a football star. So did you guys know each other before you went into the NFL? I met Rebecca at a football game. Um, LeVar Arrington, uh, uh, kind of a notable uh, media personality now on the NFL Network, played for the Washington Redskins, got drafted out of Penn State. We were, were great friends. He got seven of us tickets to go see him play uh, at the Veterans Stadium against the Eagles. So we drove down from Penn State, seven of us. Six tickets were together. There was one single ticket. So I, I kind of organized the trip. So I said, hey, fellas, you guys sit in the first row. I'll take the single ticket. So I was about 10 rows up. They kept they kept looking over their shoulder, kind of razzing me because I was 10 rows up and they were right there in the front row. And then all of a sudden, my wife Rebecca and her friend, come. they come walking down and they and they sit right next to me. And they're, and they're all looking up at me, and I'm kind of pointing down at them, like, "Yeah, you see me. You you see who I'm sitting next to." And um, you know, she's a huge Eagles fan. I tried to crack jokes the whole time, and she didn't find them funny. Um, I was striking out, um, but I, you know, she was every time the, the Eagles scored a touchdown, she would stand up and cheer. So I was rooting for the Eagles that day. <laughs> um, but yeah, great girl. That's how we met. She came up to Penn State to visit me that next weekend, and and the rest is history. Wow. That's pretty cool. See, that's when you see the hand of God in your daily life. You're like, yeah, you were serving. You were serving your six friends. Took the ten rows up, which obviously is actually a better, better seat because you yep. can see a lot better. You're not behind the players. You're not behind the cheerleaders in the in the field being crowned. You actually see people, and God put you right next to your future wife. That's it. Divine providence. Yep. Now, was she a Christ follower when you met her? Uh, no. Um, she she uh, started following. Uh, when when we were with the Chicago Bears, um, that's when she got saved. Um, her father is actually a pastor, uh, but he he practices a couple different faiths, and uh, or I want was it theologian? Is it theologian? Okay. Sure, he's a theologian. He's a theologian. He, d- different denominations, different denominations okay. experience. Right. But she got saved when we were in Chicago, um, and she built a, she built a great great core group of 
girls and wives that she she ran with in Chicago, and they still stay in contact to this day. But um, yeah, no, she, you know, at that time I'm so I was so young and she was so young. It was just you know we were young and dumb together. And we, we 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 were trying to figure it out together. <laughs> young and young and dumb together is good. Martha and I started way younger than what you did. So you you uh, you retired from the Saints. Mm-hmm. How did you end up being in New Orleans? You you grew up in Pennsylvania. You played a long time in Chicago. You've been down. You've been a Buccaneer. How'd you end up back in Tampa Bay? We never left. Um, when we moved from Chicago, we had just had our son Grayson, and we we had a a condo right downtown. Uh, I would go to work every day. My wife got sick of walking the dog on icy sidewalks while she was pregnant. And when I signed a deal down here for three years, she said, look, all I ask is all I want is a backyard. And, you know, I'm not going to ask for much, just a backyard. So uh, the first thing we did when we came down here is we, we found a house out in Lutz and um, settled it in there. And when I got the call to go to New Orleans uh, my last season, it was more of a it was a business trip. Uh, I got corporate housing in and out six months and uh we just kind of knew we felt like we like we belonged here tampa's not a bad place to settle down no it's a lot, <laughs> ni- lot nicer than chicago i heard new, or- new orleans is nice but you had to drive from lutes down dale mabry all the way to the stadium that was probably a little rough i had my i would i would take florida and i would duck in florida i had my little routes to, yeah, to, your to routes. the office That's absolutely good. so to, as being married 11 years how does your faith play in your marriage how is your faith made your marriage stronger you know we're my wife and i are, you know and you talked about praying together um i know we talked about that uh the other day and you actually made me think i said wow you know every time my wife and i pray it's normally for someone else it's normally for our kids and um you know praying is a very intimate thing especially for me I, you know i'll sit in my office you know and just go at it for like an hour you know you would think my wife sometimes says to me are you like I'll talk to myself? You know, I'll be at the I'll be at the uh, the refrigerator, and I guess my lips will start moving because you know I got a lot going on, and I'm praying, and she'll ask me what's going on, and I'm you made me question that when when we talked about it because I said, wow, this is an intimate thing. This is something I need to be doing more with my wife uh, as far as praying. Um, you know, just for our, our relationship, it's always about somebody else. You know, and when you said that to me, you you actually the light bulb went off. I was like, yeah, that's we need to focus in on that. It is one of the most powerful things that my wife and I have practiced, praying together as spouses. And and, and you'll tell, I, I can't remember the line, but there is nothing that will endear your wife more to you than you leading her in prayer. Yeah. It is a powerful thing. Now, when you're up in Lutz and you're, you're in town, where are you guys going to church up there? Well, we've been to uh, Grace Family Church, and, uh, and then I also told you about the chapel, which is a pretty cool church. Their pastor, he's from New York. He gets after it. Uh, his message is pretty strong. Uh, we're still trying to find a permanent uh, home, church home. My dad's on me all the time. Son, where where where's you going to church at? I said, That's him. good, Dad. I'm right along with you. Yeah, he, he he's a good one. Um, but we're looking for that permanent church home. We don't get there as much as we should. Um, I hate to say the uh, the occasional uh, churchgoers, but we're working on that. That's good. That's good to hear. John, I want to make sure you gave a plug for your new business. You, you've been a branding professional. You, you're a marketing kind of guy. What is your new business? Uh, uh, our new business is Branthum. We just were a new startup business. I actually, my partners in that have uh, years of experience in the marketing industry. Um, but Branthum.com, we help, we help individuals, uh, brands, corporations, small businesses with their brand development, their strategies, and their creative.
brandthumb.com. All right, Chris, as we head out of the show, I really want people to hear about discipleship because this is something that the Lord laid on your heart and you just started writing it down. And you love to bike, you love to run, you love to bike. You make me feel bad all the time. So talk to me Talk to me about discipleship. Well, don't feel bad, Jim, because I was a couch potato. You too can get off the couch. <laughs> wow. I just sit in this chair all the time and in my car driving to here. And that is our problem. Some of us, including me, love to read our Bibles. I love to read. I love music. I lo- love a lot of sedentary things. And, you know, God does call us to take care of the temple and this body that we have for as long as we're here on earth. And so it's hard to get it all done. It's hard to get in the exercise, eat right, get your Bible study and get time with the spouse. So discipleship is one of those sweet spots in life. If you love cycling, my husband joins in with me, which is just delightful to me and a bunch of friends. And we go to a restaurant with a healthy menu, have some breakfast together, do a Bible study on, we have six week study that's available to anybody who wants it. That's called the word on health. The next six weeks is the word on wealth. And then the wisdom on the word on wisdom. So we have six, three, six week studies that you can do along with cycling or stretching or any kind of activity. The idea behind discipleship is that you have activity, a meal of fellowship and some Bible study together. You can find out lots more about that online at movementmint.org. That's movementorg Thanks, Chris. Thanks, John. It was a delight to have you both on the show today. Thanks for having us. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks so much to Jose Cruz. Did a great job today. Hopefully he's relaxed and deep and decompressed. That's what we're looking for. Thanks so much to our show sponsors. Go out to iWorkForHim.com. Go to the bottom of the first page. Make sure you send a thank you to them for supporting the show. Hey, what did you learn today on how we can take this city for Jesus Christ? We learned today that it doesn't really matter what our job is. The Lord can use us no matter where we are. You heard us, you heard John Gilmore's testimony and how when he was at Penn State playing football and then playing for the Bears and then playing for the Bucks and then playing for the Saints, he was able to use his testimony to really just be an example for others on the field. You heard about his, his marriage to Rebecca and how they're learning to implement and learning to incorporate their faith into the center of their marriage, praying together, trying to find that right body of Christ to get involved in. Here's just a normal guy that got to play in the NFL as a super great privilege, but just trying to live his life transparently so that other people can be challenged. That's the challenge for each one of us. Chris Hartland's doing the same thing with the Healthy, Wealthy, Wise movement. She's just trying to challenge people to look at what the Bible has to say about health, what how to say about wealth, and how to say about wisdom. And she's put it all together in one study called Discipleship. You can find out more about it on movement.org. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.